Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Palev Babaria, who is the Chief Quality Officer and Deputy Director of Quality and Population Health Management for the Department of Healthcare Services here in California. In today's episode, our focus was the new Population Health Management Initiative, which is starting in 2023. But we also got to know Paula a little bit. We learned about her upbringing from Indian immigrants and how those individuals in her family and those in her early career helped her develop a heart for service and ultimately to serve the safety net here in California. We learn more about the population health initiative that's coming through DHCS in 2023, which is going to help with access and equity for the underserved population. Check out the episode to learn more about how that will work and how you can follow the work of the Population Health Management Initiative in 2022, 2023, and beyond. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Paula, good morning. Thanks for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Like I shared with you previously, I've seen you lead some of the DHCS webinars, and I think your expertise and some of the work that DHCS and you are doing with population health is going to be really beneficial to our audience. So before we get into that, we like to get to know you a little bit. So can you share with us a fun fact, maybe something out of the healthcare world uh, about yourself? Um, So for my personal life, anyone in my family or friend circle can tell you I am an insanely competitive board game and puzzler. And yes, puzzling can be um, a competitive sport if you're in my family. And it all comes full circle because now I have a seven-year-old who I, it's hard to imagine, but he's more competitive than I am, which leads to some pretty insane family um, gatherings, which most of my cousins and parents laugh at now. Okay. So tell us. My, so I have in my home, like my wife makes these puzzles and then puts them up in frames. Uh, but I didn't realize there's like some competition. Tell briefly, what, how, do, how do you compete <laughs> with puzzles? Oh, it's mostly just we, we bring multi-thousand piece puzzles to every family gathering. And uh, there is sort of a race of who can get the most pieces in and get the most parts completed. <laughs> nice. So is there like your favorite puzzle or like one you've done that you've kept and, or put up or anything like that? No, we do not glue them and put them up. So we just break them apart and keep doing them over again. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's what we did. We have them here in the house. That's funny. I didn't even know you could like, there's a glue for puzzles. Who would have thought? There is apparently glue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for that fun fact. So give us a little bit of background on yourself, Paul, if, um, where you grew up and <clears throat> excuse me, ultimately, you know, how you decided to get into healthcare. So I grew up um, on the East Coast, actually. My parents are immigrants who immigrated from India. I uh, was born in West Virginia, oddly enough, that spent most of my life on the East Coast. I came out West for my residency training at UCSF and San Francisco General Hospital, really attracted to the safety net um, that exists in California. I'd known for a long time that I want to work with the safety net and vulnerable populations and just fell in love with the way we approach caring for the underserved in California and have never left and am now raising my family here. I think healthcare was a little bit of a longer journey. There are healthcare professionals in my family. I tried to not go into the healthcare field, but really wanted to have a practical skill set that I could bring to the communities that I wanted to serve. 
So tell me about that inspiration. I mean, a lot of folks, you know, one of my best friends, actually, uh, he works at UCSF as a surgeon. So um, you mentioned that, you know, that you did some work there. But what was the inspiration to serve the safety net or serve those in need? I think service has been something I've been exposed to my whole life. My grandfather actually in India had been a freedom fighter, you know, supporting the movement for India's independence from British colonialism. And my uncle has been involved with the Congress party in India for decades, really fighting for democracy and in public service. And I think those were really early influences in my life. But I've had so many teachers through the years, through my you know early education, through medical school, through residency training, who have inspired me um, with their service, whether that is at the local county systems, public hospitals, or in state or federal government. Um, and so I, I've just been really fortunate to see those models before me who've paved a path. That is awesome. So I know you that did some studying over at Harvard and Yale, which obviously are very prestigious schools. You're now on the West Coast. What um, what made you decide to go there? Obviously, I'm the child of immigrants. My parents immigrated to this country to really provide a better life for me and my sister, but also to support multiple generations of family back in their home country. And I was raised, you know, like many children of immigrants, to really. Be, make the most of these opportunities to study hard, to get a great education, to go to the best schools that I could. And, you know, I think for them, a lot of that was around financial security and making um, a living and supporting their family to have a better outcome than what they'd been raised in. It took me a while to come to this on my own terms, but I think I've been fortunate enough to have a great education. And what drives me now is less about, you know, making a financial uh, impact and supporting my family, although that's always a consideration, but really giving back and, and serving and really fighting for justice and equity for vulnerable populations in our country and internationally. Uh, Paula, so great background. I uh, love the inspiration, love the heart. So tell us how you ultimately made it over to DHCS. So after I finished my training, I've spent the vast majority of my career in the safety net in California on the healthcare delivery system side, working in our federally qualified health centers and public hospitals with the last almost decade spent in Alameda County at the public hospital system there. Through that, I really learned, um, you know, the insides and outs of what happens in our safety net healthcare delivery system, taking care of patients directly, running operations, fixing access issues, working on, you know, quality improvement projects and value-based payment, um, and then really started to see where the potential was with state policy, that there were so many um, upstream policies that are made that then when they come down to implementation, don't necessarily always work exactly as designed, as well as the incredible potential of CalAIM. This is a transformative point in our state medical systems journey. And I think we have the potential to really change what our healthcare is going to look like for vulnerable populations in our state for generations to come. And so when the opportunity came to apply for this chief quality officer role, um, it was really a no-brainer to want to take that lived practical experience from the front lines and to take it to the state level to see how we can scale this and really achieve the promise of CalAIM. Awesome. And, and part of that is the public health or PHM, I don't even know how to say it properly. <laughs> Forgive me, I've done some research on it, but I have in my notes the PHM or, or public is it public health management initiative? Population or? health management. <laughs> Thank you. Let me let me let me take that part out. So 
there's this big PHM or population health management initiative um, that's part of DHS that's rolling out in 2023. Can you give us a quick overview of what that is? Absolutely. So we see population health management really as the cornerstone of CalAIM and the foundation of this transformative effort. I think we can all agree that our healthcare system in general, even outside of Medi-Cal, um, is often fragmented. It is reactive. People get sick. They show up at the door. When they don't show up, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about those populations. And that system is not serving any of us well. It is not getting us the high quality and equitable outcomes that we need and want for our entire state and our communities to thrive. So what population health management is, is really it's a holistic whole person, whole system approach that really understands what are the needs of every individual and all the different populations that we're supposed to be serving, whether or not they're showing up at a clinic, whether or not they already have a doctor that they've established care with, um, and then figures out what are the services that each of those individuals need both inside and outside of healthcare facilities. Um, so to give a practical example, it may mean that if someone gets Medi-Cal and they've never been in anywhere, um, but we know that they had a diagnosis of high blood pressure 10 years ago that we identify that person say, hey, we think you have a chronic disease. How can we get you set up with a primary care provider to come in for a checkup? You know, it means that if there is a child who has a single parent who's working and hasn't had time to take that child for their well child visit and annual vaccinations, and they miss that, that we recognize that in our system and we outreach and say, hey, how can we help you set up an appointment that is maybe outside of normal work hours on a weekend or an evening? How can we set up transportation so that it's easier for you to get to that appointment and make sure that those needs are met as opposed to just waiting for people to get sick and show up at our emergency rooms and hospitals? Nice. I like it. So part of it, and a lot of it, like I mentioned earlier, uh, off the air, a lot of our audience are frontline professionals and they serve Medi-Cal beneficiaries, but they don't necessarily know what's happening with these initiatives behind the scenes. So um, part of what's been talked about in healthcare for a long time is just easier access to data. And I know that's one of the visions, but I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, how, how can folks more easily access data? Have there been any early wins on this yet? Um, so I would say yes. And the biggest win was in last year's state budget. We, DHCS, got authorized to um, launch a new pro tangential program to this, which is called the Population Health Management Service. So we at DHCS are going to be procuring a technological vendor that procurement is in process right now um, and be setting up a population health management data analytics service at the state level. So what that service is going to do is going to pull data from all sorts of different sources. We have a lot of it at Medi-Cal, but we also have a lot of it from other state partners, such as immunization data from the immunization registry from the California Department of Public Health, um, you know, other benefit enrollment data, such as WIC or CalFresh benefits from other state partners, eventually data from health information exchanges, electronic health records, lab data, as well as data that Medi-Cal members themselves fill out in assessments and, and sent to us. This service will aggregate all of that data and make it combined and accessible so that people who are serving our members can use it. So we are also planning that this service or portal can be used by managed care plans, by providers, by care managers and local counties who are working for our members, 
so that they can really see what is happening to the whole person. Right now, the data is so limited to if you take care of physical health, you have physical health data. If you take care of behavioral health, you have behavioral health data. And the vision here is to really have a holistic picture of the population and individual members that we're serving. And I'm really excited that this service is also going to have a Medi-Cal member component where individual Medi-Cal members can log in access their own data and and be owners of that, as well as update key information like contact information, because we know that the outreach is often so hard because we have outdated addresses, outdated phone numbers. I love that you're giving the members the access to the portal or to the information. Uh, That's been a challenge selfishly for myself. I'm not a Medi-Cal beneficiary, but for my own health plan, like I can't even access what my doctors see. And it's like, it's my own health. Why not? You know? So uh, that's great news. Now, one thing on the PHM initiative as well is NCQA, which I think for administrators and leaders like yourself, you're very familiar. However, what does that, what does that mean for our audience? What is NCQA and how does that benefit them? Yeah, so the NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, is a national nonprofit who really specializes in quality and quality assurance. Um, So they do a lot of work around quality measurement. They do certification and accreditation for health plans, for patient-centered medical homes, and a number of other services. Many states already require their managed care plans to be NCQA certified. And so as a part of both CalAIM and we are currently undergoing a reprocurement for commercial Medi-Cal plans that will go into effect in 2024. We are requiring that all of our managed care plans will become NCQA certified by 2026. In addition, we are also requiring that all of our plans will achieve the additional health equity accreditation, which we think is really critical um, to achieving our vision of health equity across the state. I think the goal of this is really one of the major pushes in Kaleem is to provide a more consistent, seamless, and standardized experience for our members across the state so that we don't have as much variation just depending on what zip code you live in. And the NCQA accreditation is a way to do that. It levels the playing field and makes sure that all of the plans are meeting a basic standard independent of what part of the state that you're in. That is obviously the floor and not the ceiling. So for population health management, we require NCQA certification, but we are also adding additional requirements that will really help us meet the unique needs of Californians. Awesome, that's great. Now, one thing you touched on, and it's been a sensitive subject uh, for certain health plans is the 2024 re-procurement of managed Medi-Cal. So um, I know this episode's not, to talk about that, but maybe in like 30 seconds, uh, Paul, if, for our audience who might work for some of these MCOs or work with patients who are part of these managed Medi-Cal, when you say re-procurement for 2024, maybe in layman's terms, what does that mean here in California? Great question. Um, so the state has contracts with managed care plans who then provide care to our Medi-Cal members. Uh, how many managed care plans and what types they are vary across the state. So we do have county organized health systems where in a certain county, um, the health plan is really sponsored by that county and there's only one option. We have other areas that have, you know, two or more health plans, sometimes commercial, sometimes local initiatives um, that are providing the care to Medi-Cal members. So the re-procurement will affect all of the commercial health plans where essentially, you know, they will want bid on being the health plan for that county or specific area. And the department will be awarding new contracts, which may mean in some counties, the same plans get the new contract. In some counties, it may mean that new 
um, plans get the contracts. I think the biggest driver of this is we really want health plans that are providing high quality, equitable care to our members. So a lot of the requirements in the new contracts are to strengthen those provisions. Awesome. Thank you very much. I I am relatively new to the Medicaid or Medi-Cal world. So the re-procurement, I was like, oh, what's this? Uh, so it's quite interesting. And I know it's a quite a heavy lift uh, for these plans and for you guys at DHS to review and, and select the ones that are going to deliver the best care for our beneficiaries. So the way I first met you virtually, well, not really me, but um, learn about you was through this PHM stakeholder advisory group. Um, so for our audience, who wants to learn more about what you guys are doing with this PHM initiative, how can they follow along? Tell us about this advisory group and how it's open to the public, for example. Absolutely. So the Population Health Management Program for CalAIM does not go live until January 1, 2023, which means we are still in active planning and design phase. The Population Health Management Advisory Group is a public advisory group. We pull together experts um, who are actually doing pop health work in different ways. So it's a mix of plans and people at health plans who are doing population health management, providers at the hospital level, clinic level, um, as well as other, you know, key partners such as public health, behavioral health counties, and key um, member advocate groups as well. So it's a really great diverse group of folks who all share a mission, which is really how do we provide the highest quality equitable care for our members. So I'm inspired every single time I attend one of those meetings. We recognize, you know, beyond the 30 some people who are in the advisory group, we have a wealth of expertise and talent in this state. And many of you listening to this podcast, I think bring that expertise. So every single advisory group is public and we very purposefully maintained an open chat so that anyone can chime in and contribute ideas and suggestions. And we really encourage and invite all of you to join because it it is going to take a village to achieve this vision. There's very little that I can do alone or that DHCS can do alone. It really, if we're going to transform our healthcare system for Medi-Cal, it's going to take every single one of us rowing in the same direction and working at our levels to drive this change. Um, So you can go to the CalAIM Population Health Management uh, webpage and it has all of our materials on it as well as links to how you can register for those advisory group meetings. Yeah, that's great. I've attended a couple of them and I encourage you folks, um, if if you serve Medi-Cal beneficiaries or interact with them or just interested in learning more, it's been a great way for me to hear what's been going on. And if you are a Medi-Cal provider, uh, one neat thing as well, um, this may not be specific to PHM, but it might be correlated, is the state is, is really helping financially as well with providers build up their systems and infrastructure to um, to serve Medi-Cal beneficiaries. So there's there's funding available to folks, which uh, I've learned through seminars like or like groups like the PHM uh, group and others. So again, folks, not just with PHM, but all DHGS, there, there's a ton of webinars, a ton of information available. So um, just Google it, you'll find it. Um, it's been it's been a really good resource. So. A couple buzzwords for our audience, access and equity. Uh, for those of us that have been you know, following Medi-Cal or Medicaid or just in our society in general, those are big buzzwords, but they do have really, they do have real meaning. So can you dig in a little bit, uh, Paula, and, and how your efforts are going to help with access and equity? Maybe, maybe even give an example. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, access and equity are really complicated <laughs> 
issues with longstanding histories. If they were simple issues, we would have solved all these problems already, right? And I spent the last decade of my career working on access and on the healthcare delivery system side. You know, it took us a few years, but we were able to take a one-year waiting list for new primary care appointments for Medi-Cal members and drop it down where we were able to get every single member who called needing a primary care provider an appointment when they called by the time that I left that role. Awesome. And it wasn't easy. And I'll just to give you a concrete example, you know, it required change at every single level. It required us educating our members about the importance of primary care and continuity and how to access those appointments. It required operational overhaul to change our scheduling practices, to change our provider templates and the way our primary care providers expected to see patients and how long they had to do that and how flexible they were when someone new showed up who had an urgent need that maybe hadn't been on their schedule the day before. It required us overhauling a call center that used to have two-hour wait times and getting that wait time down to 30 seconds or less consistently on a day-by-day basis. And it required us partnering with our health plans, right? All of those members that we knew we were supposed to be caring for but couldn't reach, how are we going to engage them? How are we going to pull them in? And what was the communication when new members were assigned to us? Um, and so I think, you know, access has to be tackled at every single level um, for things like that to work. And we have to look at, you know, what is the role that each of us plays in access and what can we be doing differently to improve and enhance access? I think similarly on the equity side, the causes of healthcare disparities span every single level. There is racism, there's discrimination in our policies, there's racism and discrimination in how people access and experience the healthcare system and where those services are located and the quality of those services and the resources that have been invested in them based off of the zip code or census tract that you live in. Additionally, there's you know centuries of history and discrimination, which makes it complicated to address all of these issues. But on the equity front, I really do think it is engaging and listening to those communities that have been most affected by health disparities and inviting them in to have a seat at the table to make the policies with us, to make the decisions for us, because those are the individuals who know best what we need to change in our system, because our system is clearly not working for key populations. And you see those disparities um, time and time again, no matter which clinical quality measure we look at, our system is consistently failing certain groups of people. And so we just hired our chief health equity officer, who's the assistant deputy director for quality and population health management, who works on our team, Dr. Pamela Riley. And she's going to be working with the department to kick off the next phase of our health equity roadmap over the course of the next year, we're really going to be inviting and engaging Medi-Cal members and communities to help us identify, you know, how do we want to fix these problems collectively? Awesome. And that is really well said. A lot to say in, in just a couple minutes. And the, the momentum is there for sure. Um, I think on the last uh, stakeholder group, that was her first meeting. Um, and you didn't, I, I think there was something where like, she could have been put on the spot and have to say a lot, but you didn't. I, you did something where you protected her from having to do too much in that first meeting, which is nice of you. A couple of weeks in, um, yeah, that is great. So we've learned a lot. Uh, still a lot to happen, um, but a great framework is being built. So again, folks, if you want to follow what is happening with Paulive and the PHM initiative, 
Um, DHS website has all the information that you need. Reach out to myself as well. Paul, I'm not sure if you are active on social media or LinkedIn. Um, are, are, can folks follow you? Would that be beneficial? Or are you kind of off the radar when it comes to they should focus on DHS website? I'm a little bit of a Luddite, I will admit to this group. And um try to stay off social media, but I am on LinkedIn and I often post updates on our population health management work on LinkedIn. So feel free to follow me there. And then as well as our DHCS CALAIM and DHCS population health management websites are continuously updated. Yeah. And I do want to give a a nice plug to you, Paula, and your team. Um, I've emailed DHCS on a few different things, um, including uh, interacting with yourself and um, everyone's been very responsive. Uh, Candidly, probably a few years back when I heard of interacting with government, I thought slow, no response, and that's not what I'm getting, um, whether it's podcast related or my day job. Um, so kudos to you guys. There's definitely change in the air and some cool momentum happening. So Paulive Babaria has been our guest. Um, awesome story about your parents. I'm sure they're proud of you. Uh, folks, thank you so much. And Paulive, thanks so much for joining today. Thank you so much for having me. And if I can just leave parting words, it really is going to take a village. um, And we want each and every single one of you to be involved in this incredible transformation. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.